Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Welcome back to the Francisca Show. I'd like to thank you again so much for tuning back in, especially the weeks before Pesach, as you are cleaning and cooking and stressing, organizing. So before we get started with this episode, I want to remind you that this podcast is a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com. There are other incredible podcasts on the Jewish Coffee House Network, so check them out. And of course, if you are not sharing the enjoyable episodes, assuming you find them enjoyable, please do so. Share this episode with a friend or a family member, with a community member, help spread the word about the show to help us grow the show. If you are too lazy and you don't like to share what you like with other people or you think you're too spammy, you can always shoot me a sponsorship and thank you for this week's sponsors for the podcast. Oh, and next, I love hearing from you. So keep sending in those messages and I am on the side slowly working on an episode that just will feature your comments, your feedback, some of the more smashing and prolific ones for an entire single episode. So keep those coming in. I really enjoy engaging with you, discussing these interesting topics and curating new topics for this podcast. And if you've been thinking of launching a podcast or you already have one, but you'd like to spice it up, make it more interesting, maybe you wanna grow it on social media or with different media, or maybe you need different types of support for the podcast itself, please do reach out. I really enjoy working with my clients and I love supporting them with their businesses, their passion projects, and you know, getting their ideas out there. I even have a DIY online course that helps you launch your podcast without even getting on a call with me. So there are lots of options. So keep that in mind. And thank you to everyone who refers me to other people this is how you support the show as well. And I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, and the throwback episode for this week is Botox and Plastics in the Firm Community. It's actually a two-part series that I did a while back. The first episode, I interviewed different practitioners. On the second one, we hear from the clients themselves. I hope you enjoy the throwbacks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And here we go. Welcome back to the Francisco Show, France Dance. Today with us, we have Tamar Daniel from the UK and now from Lower Marion. 
and we're here to talk about surrogacy and your fascinating, unique story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is fun. I'm excited to be here. Let's start off by telling us a little bit about your religious and professional background, and then we'll go into your story. I was raised in a modern Orthodox home in England. My parents made Aliyah in the 90s. I actually was born in Jerusalem. They made Aliyah twice, but that's a, a long story. And professionally, I am trained as a fashion designer. That's what I always wanted to be. I have worked in that industry for 15 years before now becoming just a chief marketing officer at a consulting firm. So a grown-up job, yes. A grown-up job. <laughs> uh, this podcast used to be all about Jewish women in the arts, so <laughs> we know all about the grown-up job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your story. I know it's so unspoken, taboo, very different, very unique. So I'll have you just start talking and then I'll dive in with questions as we go. I don't know if I would want to tee it up by saying it's taboo. I think it's unconventional. Yeah, unconventional. I like that. I had the idea in my head for a long time that I could carry a baby for someone else because I had pretty straightforward pregnancies and very straightforward pregnancies and deliveries. And I think I just was always getting feedback from the world like, why is this not harder for you? Or why are you okay right now? I worked through having my children. I went to school through having my children. And I just kind of never skipped a beat. And so I realized that that was a strength and not to be taken for granted. So I think that kind of planted the seed. And I also feel like in our community, and I use that term broadly because there are multiple communities and multiple norms within them, but... Certainly there's this pressure about, you know, you kind of a large part of your identity, maybe in particular as a woman is formed around like when you're going to have kids and how many kids you're going to have and how you're going to handle having kids. And we just talk about it a lot from a young age, probably, at least in my upbringing. And I am happy to be a mom and I'm grateful that that came relatively easily. And also I, my husband and I were both told that we carried the same genetic disease when we got engaged and it was going to be a whole drama whether we could get married even and what would happen and we ended up overcoming those things and I so I guess you know I kind of a realize I don't take this for granted and b just wanted to help make it less of a burden and a maybe a like a pressure for other people who are having a harder time with it let's go through your timeline a little bit working backwards I gave birth to the surrogate baby in November of 2014. And I had four of my own children um, already by that point. And I have since had another child of my own. So I have five kids and that baby was born between number four and five. Obviously, there are two parts. You need two to tango. And you needed your husband to be on board with this idea. When did it go from, oh, this would be so nice for me to do, to like, let's, let's go through with this? Yeah, that's a good question. I remember talking about it. This is a little weird, but I remember having a thought as I 
with giving birth to my fourth child, like, I'm going to do this for someone else. And I think I had flirted with it before that, but I was like, I don't know, I'm still organizing my own family. And I don't know when that moment would be that that would make sense because it's not something that ever just falls into place. But at that moment, I was like, my family is complete. And if I'm serious, I need to get serious and stop talking. I did, it's not that I talked about it, but I did have it as a kind of a bucket list item. <laughs> and so, and my husband had heard me talk about it. And I, he's, he's also pretty used to me just talking about crazy things. And so I think he has a very high threshold and also very good at kind of ignoring me until I make sure he's not ignoring me anymore. So I think something at that point shifted and I was like, like, I'm not joking. You know, I think this is something I need to do while I'm here on earth. Like, what would it take to get you comfortable with it? And it took a lot. I mean, it took years. It wasn't like, certainly wasn't instant. And he's much more reserved and kind of sensible and risk averse than I am prone to be. And for him, a large part of that was like halafic. He wanted various halafic feedback and different bodies to sign off on it. We got Eretz Chemda, which is the Institute for Advanced Jewish Studies in Jerusalem to kind of give it their blessing. And we spoke to Mafan Pua. And what was the feedback? So I look, I, I'm not a halakhic authority and I don't feel comfortable like presenting as one. Those people gave this situation their blessing, you know, would any of them like that to be translated into a widespread practice? You know, I don't think so. But also, it's not anything that's ever going to be translated into a widespread practice. It's a unique, like super unusual set of circumstances. My take, my halafic takeaway is this remains something that should be addressed on a case by case basis. And by discrete, I don't mean don't tell anyone. I mean, you know, specific. And and for me, I, I just felt like a gut feeling of this makes sense and we have to make halakha see that it makes sense, you know, rather than try to find precedent or like it's like it's never going to be something that gets out of control. And like now everyone wants to be a surrogate for everyone else. Like that's not a thing that's going to happen. It's so I think it, it was a matter of saying like, you know, I, I feel like I can do this for someone else. I happen to be that. We we have a friend, a co you know, we're friends with the family and he's a fertility doctor. And I was, every time I saw them, I was bothering him about it. Like, hey, I, I want to be a surrogate. <laughs> I think he started avoiding me at, at parties. But I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm serious. And, and he really did his best to talk me out of it. And at a certain point, I called him and I was like, look, you know, I'm going to do this. And it would be nice if you would bear me in mind because I'm sure that you have people who who need help having a baby and I'm I'm not using my womb and I have some time to use it and like I'm happy to use it for someone else so could you put me in touch with those people and he he told me afterwards that it's like when someone wants to be Jewish and you tell them like no 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 and then if they're interested then maybe they're seriously <laughs> at, at a certain point he saw that I was not going away and he one day called me and he said I just met this couple. Oh, one of the things that my husband felt strongly about was like, this needs to be a religious couple that we help. And I, I don't think I cared that much, but he did. And so we were waiting for the right fit. 
at that point. He understood I was serious. He had gotten the sign off from who he wanted to get the sign off from. And and then it was like, who are these people going to be? You know, and so then my friend one day called me and he's like, I just met this couple. She has had suffered 11 miscarriages. I think that there's nothing wrong with the embryo and it and it could work. And would you like to talk to them? And I was like, yeah, I'd like to talk to them. We had coffee together. I met the mom in New York. We went out for coffee. She was just lovely and heartbroken and I think had lost any hope. And I didn't want to give her hope because who knows if this thing works. But I just was like, look, I, I, I want to try, you know, if you are game and I'm game, let's try. You have nothing to lose. And and she was, you know, I think at that point, like, it's really scary to feel hope again because you, you don't want to. And it's so painful. And, but she did. She was hopeful. And she wrote to me afterwards, like, that she had been crying so much in private and that it was both exciting and, and terrifying to have some some reason to believe that something could change. And so we, like, embarked on this adventure together. And it was all the things you would think it would be. It was weird and awkward and complicated and wonderful and exciting. And so tell me how. <laughs> Give me some detail. One of the funny things that came about is they are of, from the Sephardi community, this couple, and they escalated their halafic questions, which went all the way to Rav Amar. And he ended up saying that they could use me as a surrogate on condition that I never meet the husband for various gross reasons. But basically, there shouldn't be like Marit Ayin that we were ever a couple or ever together. And so so I never met him until after the baby was born, which was the psak. And in a way, you just have to submit yourself to the weird working, like what what will get the world comfortable with this? You know, like you can't really have too much ego or opinion about how is this going to go down I that's how I felt it's like I'm in it to win it like I'll do what I'm just gonna put my monkey brain on hold for a couple of years and get this thing done because I think I should do it and all these other pieces that came into play I just kind of was like okay 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 like whatever I just felt like I'm you know this this sport that uh I don't know what it's called like you sit in a like a thing and it goes it goes down an icy tunnel and it's it's like a long canoe shape and they what's it called like the luge is it the luge it's like a sport and it's just like a bunch of like men like sitting one behind the other it looks like that ride in like like disney world and they and they, they go in like an icy tunnel and they actually are controlling this thing but once they're in there like they're going down this thing and it's i you know they're gonna go down no matter what and I kind of felt like that. Like once I was buckled into this thing, I was like, we're going, to, we're going down this icy mountain. And I decided I want to do that and we'll see where it lands, you know. And so, you know, once you're pregnant, like you're pregnant. So that was kind of my mental state at the time. And then. So hold on. So you, you tell your entire family now. Hey, kids, uh, mommy's going to be pregnant now. And this Telling is not my your kids sibling. was not a big deal. Telling my parents was much bigger deal. My okay, kids were little that. enough that they were like, "Oh, I guess this is normal." Like, yeah, right, sure. Okay. Moms have babies for other people. They didn't really have a lot of questions. They still don't have a lot of questions. They don't really ever talk about it. I think they, 
I did my utmost to not let it affect my attention to them and, and, you know, energy for them and everything. And I guess I succeeded because I, they it hardly registered, honestly. Like, and for your husband, what was it like having you pregnant with somebody else's child? It's weird. I like, it was weird. You know, he knew it would be weird. I knew it'd be weird. And then it was weird. But I think it shows also, it was kind of a litmus test of like, who in the community has a bit of bandwidth for something out of the box and who kind of can broach a topic that might be unusual or uncomfortable and who is like ballsy enough to just say or ask the question or say hey how can I be here for you because you're obviously doing something interesting and like I I'm not used to it but I'd like to be supportive or like you know so I think I learned a lot about my friends from the way they showed up during that time and some people were terrible and I couldn't really hang out with them anymore and other people what was terrible terrible what did it look like it looked like saying weird, creepy, sexual things about carrying another person's baby or... Like they made jokes or they just didn't invite you to Shabbos meals anymore? If if there are people who didn't invite me to Shabbos meals anymore, I didn't purchase and I don't care. Jo- yeah, there was some weird jokes. There was some like, oh, I can't believe you're still allowed to be on the board of whatever school I was on the board of at the time. Or like, honestly, I think I've tried to block out those things like I don't prefer to remember them but I wouldn't say I don't care it could be hurtful or uncomfortable I I care but I also don't want to be that person who makes their life decisions based on like oh someone's gonna look at me weird and sure like I just think that's a waste that's not a person who becomes a surrogate that's for sure (laughs) okay and your parents what was that like yeah that was that was terrible so I did I will say I did a terrible job I did a terrible job my sister, God bless her, I had told her, she was like, she's younger than me and her children are younger than mine. And she was always like, wouldn't it be nice if we had a kid at the same time and then our kids could be friends? And I was like, I'm done having kids. Sorry. Like, you're like, enjoy. <laughs> and I am an idiot. And I was hanging out in her house and I said, oh, I, I actually want to tell you something. Um, I'm pregnant. And she was so excited because she's like, oh, I knew we were going to have kids together. It's going to be missing. I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, I did, I, sorry, sorry. Scratch that. I'm starting over, you know. And then I kind of learned how to tell oh. this. And, I, and she sat me down because she's very good at this. And she was like, you cannot do that to anyone else in the family. That was very bad. And she kind of coached me through like how to break this news. Like, not an idiot. So I was like. <laughs> so I so I took my parents out to dinner and it was just me and them and it was very nice and civilized and I said guys I just wanted to let you know I've I've become involved in a project <laughs> and I'm like four months pregnant with someone else's baby and they're like oh what's the project said, um I um, I've decided to carry a child for another family. And they just were like, their jaws were like open. <laughs> and then I said, and I'm four months pregnant at this point. And that was like the end of the meal. Like they couldn't talk anymore. So we just got the check and went home. And then they called me the next day. <laughs> but like, We've had the chance to discuss your, your project. And 
we think you're very clever that you didn't tell us beforehand because we certainly would not have allowed you to go through with this. But we think it's wonderful. And it was like, okay, <laughs> okay. And then they had their own stuff to deal with. Like their family was weird about it. They had, I had, you know, like people, some people were like, we don't even know what to say about what Tamar's doing. And some people were like, we heard what Tamar's doing and that's great. And how can we be helpful or supportive or kind or anything? So, you know, people, it's divisive. And your in-laws. My in-laws, if they had a hard time with it, they didn't let on. I mean, certainly as things progressed, people had to find their own party line like where do we stand on this like how what do we want to say about it and they were very kind and they were fine yeah I think they saw that my husband also was fine and we had come to an arrangement that was okay with us and they were so I'm sure that for them was a big indicator that like I guess this is okay okay yeah. So talk to me about how pregnancy doesn't affect you. So you're in your ninth month and you're in contractions and you're totally fine. You can be Yeah, well, it affects I'm a human. I'm a human. It affects me. I just mean I I was always, I guess, I kept my energy levels up. I recovered quickly from childbirth. Did your husband go with you to the delivery, labor and delivery? Yeah. So the, the, so the baby came on a Shabbos. My parents happened to be staying with, they didn't happen to be staying with me. They knew I was due and they were kind of trying to be around to watch the kids if he was going to go with me or whatever. And I, my waters broke. I was sitting and playing with my, I guess she was three or something year old, four year old maybe. And my waters broke and my, I, my mom said, are you okay? And I said, oh, a minute before that, my back was hurting and I was trying to ignore it, but I kind of knew. And my mom was looking at me funny. <laughs> and she says, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. My back hurts. And she says, uh-huh. <laughs> and then my water broke. And she's like, tomorrow, just go get a towel or something. Be normal. I'll, I'll stay with the children. Like, just go deal with yourself. I was like, yes, okay. I guess I'm going into labor. So I asked my husband to drive me to the hospital. And he was like, he cannot handle not he cannot handle driving on Shabbos it doesn't matter what's happening and he was like I can't do it I can't do it I'm like, okay I'll drive myself to the hospital do you want to come <laughs> he's like okay I had to like open the door for him because he like wouldn't do mugs of stuff I'm like oh my god I'm like so in the end I drove my mom and my husband to the hospital because my mom said she wants to be like there for this tremendous occasion I'm like I was like the kindergarten teacher you know I'm like come on everyone in the car <laughs> My project is coming. <laughs> My project is coming. And we went to hospital and it was, a, it was a great birth. And what actually ended up being, I think, a relief is that because I because of this sock that I couldn't see the husband, they the couple didn't come to any ultrasounds or anything. And so I would report back to them and they would speak to the doctors and I would send them all the scans and I would, you know, we were in touch a lot, but... I, I really had my privacy and I think that that worked really well for me for who I am. Like, I just wanted to do this. I didn't want to, I'm not someone who wants to like write a blog post about it. You know, I just wanted to like grow up someone and I grew the baby and like, like that's something I wanted to do. And, and so I didn't need, I didn't, I was always worried with the idea of it before it became real of like, well, how does that really look? Like, I don't want someone in, in a delivery ward with me. Like, you know, I, I'm like, 
pretty private person. Like that, that part of it bothered me. And so it ended up working out well. But they were very stoic, really, and like very, very brave. And they really gave me my space and trusted everything and trusted the process. And there was a lot of trust between us, I think, trust in each other and trust in God. And just like, we're all just going to try and do this thing. And we're all just little humans, you know, trying to. And what do you mean by trust? Like trust that you're going to eat healthy food and not smoke and do drugs. And, right. Yeah. And lift heavy things. And... Yeah, like that's scary. Like someone's carrying your baby and you've been trying to have a baby for over a decade. And like now you have the promise of one and. Don't mess it up. That takes a tremendous amount of holding back to not be like, can you just not go there? And can you just not eat that? And can you just not dye your hair? And can you just not eat sushi or whatever people are worried about? You know, and like, I think they knew that that would be overwhelming for me. And they knew that I had grown my own children successfully and they were healthy. So I, they, I think, showed a lot of restraint and respect. That's the word. I think there was a lot of mutual respect in the whole thing. And that that's why it was okay. And... You know, also you can get pregnant and 700 things can go wrong. Like that, it doesn't mean that there's a baby coming out necessarily. So I think we all were very sober about that. The contract that we signed was very grim. You know, it's like every horrible thing that could happen to me or the baby and who, whose life do you save and who gets to make what decision. And it, it, it's very granular. And we signed it at the beginning of the process. And I think that that was very important because it, it you know you're, you're playing with fire like this this isn't a game and we knew that I knew that I understood the risks but everything had been spelled out very much in black and white and with kind of a bias to the dark side of it and I think getting that out of the way early on was good because you you put words to all these thoughts and anxieties and and it's like yeah I could die I could lose my reproductive system you know the baby could have all sorts of problems at this stage or this stage or this stage you know and every combination of horrible things that could happen is laid out and I think that's it's a lot to swallow but it's also like yeah that's what we're saying we'll do so we better understand what we're saying you know were you more careful about things you did during that pregnancy versus your other pregnancy yeah totally I was on my best behavior I was not like I I drank the odd glass of wine with my own children and I ate sushi and I dyed my hair. I did all the things that like, I don't know to me coming, I guess in Israel, maybe people are less strict and, and I don't know. I was much more, I don't want to say laissez-faire, but I just kind of overall felt like if I'm pretty much active and healthy and with this baby, I was very strict. Yeah. I wanted them to feel comfortable and I wanted to make sure that I was doing my part. After the baby was born, did you have to deal with, your hormonal imbalances and any emotional things like what was that like someone gave me the advice like make sure you get there's a drug that's not available in america anymore but you can get it in israel and in europe that you stopped. did that in israel you had the baby no. in israel no 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 no, no. Oh. i had the baby here in, in marion station but um i got the drug from israel <laughs> there's a drug that stops your milk from coming in and that was very good advice that someone gave me. They were like, you do not want to be England. dealing with milk and then no baby. It's going to mess your head up. And so I, I got a hold of that pill and like I took it right away. And that was a very clever piece of advice because they wouldn't give it to me here, which I think is cruel. Like, why would, you know, but that's whatever. That's different <laughs> critique for another time. 
I mean, the delivery was weird, but it's no one's fault. The The staff in the hospital have, had never done something like this. So I was kind of like the quarterback because there was paperwork that had to be done. There's essentially an adoption process that happens that becomes real during the delivery. And you have to have everything in order so that the bracelet that they put on the baby when it comes out says the real mom's name and not my name. And they didn't know any of it, even though they were supposed to because we sent stuff ahead of time. They hadn't like done their homework. So I was, I had to be like very on. And and my husband was like, he's so sweet and definitely wanted to be present, but he gets very overwhelmed. And he was kind of like, I I didn't make Kiddish and it's Shabbos and I'm going to go find great people. like, oh my God. <laughs> Whether I'm a control freak or I just really had to, sh- to had to keep my wits about me, I, I don't know. But I felt like no one here knows what's up. Like I have to be on top of my game because they're going to put this baby in the wrong like legal, you know, um, designate category. So that and then the parents came after Shabbat and my thing was I don't want to touch the baby. So she came out. I, I gave her a little kiss on her head. I said goodbye. And then actually my husband and my mom were great because they took turns like holding her and until her parents came. So because I wanted her to have like, you know, skin on skin and all the good stuff for babies. But I did not want to do that. I think that would that part I wouldn't trust my brain with. Like while it was a embryo, I could totally I felt like I was just like having a very long play date with someone else's kid that was going to go home at the end. But once it was a baby, I was like, I cannot touch that. Like, that is going to. So that was probably the right move. And then, yeah, there was a little emotional, like, you know, turmoil. But mostly I just felt self-conscious because everyone kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And they were like, you're going to get home. You're going to not have a baby. You're going to have various colors of, like, you know, postnatal depression. And, and it never came. And now I'm, I don't know, like nearly 10 years on, like it never came. So I think people shouldn't make assumptions about how your your mental health is going to respond to something. Like my body told me I want to do this. And I was much, the joy of like accomplishing something like that so much outweighed like any kind of teariness that I, that I just felt probably from a, just a physical point of view like my hormones are crazy you know and like so I had like a week of teariness and the doctor who organized the whole thing checked in on me and he was very a very good friend and like very on top of it and and he also would have I never needed it but I think he would have been right there with any kind of like hormonal intervention or anything I would have needed to kind of stabilize that but it never came honestly I remember crying once I wrote the baby like a card and I I mailed it to them and I was crying when I wrote it. But I, I haven't cried about it since then. I like I just feel joyful and grateful that I got to do this thing that I, I wanted to do. And like it's it's unusual to have a big item that you want to accomplish and you get to accomplish it and nothing goes wrong. And, you know, so I'm, I know that I know that at any point there are so many points of failure that could have been and they weren't. So you had a few weeks of recovery and then you just got up and went to work? I had like one week of recovery and I got up and went to work. I, I like work. You know, it helps my brain. I had four little kids at home and a job and plenty to get back in. Distract so, yourself. Yeah, I don't know if I needed distraction, but I that was my life. And I didn't really put it on pause at any point. This was something that happened as well. You in know, addition. Not instead, yeah. Do you feel like that? 
made you want to have another baby after? Because you mentioned. No. In fact, everyone was like, oh, do you have the baby blues now? I'm like, no, I that baby came out and I was kind of like, thank God I don't need to go home with that now. And like, (laughs) I can sleep at night. (laughs) I didn't feel anything until a lot later. And then I had another baby in, in 2019. But at that time, I was sure I was done. Did you consider what would happen if you were pregnant for, for the surrogacy pregnancy with twins? Or yeah, it's all laid out in a contract. So you were okay with that being a possibility? Yes, you have to say what you're okay with. Also triplets. Also, there's a difference between putting in an, two embryos and one splitting in half. So I had said that they can't put in two, but if it splits in half, we keep both. That was my feeling. Uh, and I had said I'm not okay with triplets, and I wouldn't be willing to carry three. I, I have my contracts on my. So I think those were my stipulations. But it's it's unbelievably organized, and I'm grateful for that. Like none of that was left to chance. It was all very detailed, you know, and brutal, like brutally detailed. But that's how it needs to be, I think, for a successful arrangement like this. I heard somewhere that the baby. There's halachic question if the baby, whoever the baby comes out of, that you halachically can be the mother. Yeah. Again, I don't want to be your halachic authority. So the people that we got our socks from did not view me as the mother in any way. The carrier. Yep. And that was oh. their halachic designation of carrier. But, you know, this is a kind of an uh, emerging world there isn't the language for all the different terminology as much as people like to be like oh uh you know even the imahot when they gave their like concubines to their husband it's like surrogacy i'm like give me a break it's not surrogacy like that's i don't think as much as everyone wants to look to the things like that for halafic precedent what we're doing today is unprecedented the 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 science and the the way that we can mess with different human body parts. There isn't a lot of precedent for it. And I'm I'm happy that I was a part in moving that forward, but I that wasn't my agenda. And I don't I don't see myself as a poster girl for like, oh, Halafa needs to like like I I think Halafa sh- should evolve to serve the people and not the other way around. But I'm not trying to expedite or throw out the 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 proverbial baby with the bathwater. Like, I I don't presume to know that. Did you ever communicate with anyone else who's gone through this and have sort of a... No. Um, I didn't know anyone who had gone through it to communicate with, but I have a cousin who is a midwife, very senior midwife, who had been involved in a few surrogacies, and she was a, a nice cheerleader for me and kind of understood. I think I was like, Basically, didn't need to talk to anyone or have any support until the last month, like of the pregnancy. That was hard. Like month nine, you're done. You're physically exhausted. This thing is coming soon. Everyone is like on spilkers. Like, when's she gonna have a mental breakdown? Like, it was just kind of like <laughs> a lot. And she was good for for me during that time. Speaking to her was like someone who kind of got it, which was hard to find. Obviously, like no one got it exactly. <laughs> Which Do you is have a relationship with the baby? No, I don't want one. They text me every year on on her birthday with a picture and a, like a cute note. But I don't think it's fair. Like my point was to try and help someone else have their baby. Like why would they want 
this other person showing up that they have to like explain like if I insist on being part of it then it takes away from their feeling just like a mom and a dad and their baby like what you know I I don't need it for me and I don't think it is nice for them so and do you have anything you could comment on I know people do this for money you did this out of you know a strong calling and this was a mission something you wanted to accomplish do you have any comments on women who do this as a job <laughs> listen people need to make money and if this is what you need to do or want to do to comes easy to you and everyone's happy about it that's fine i i don't have any i certainly don't have any judgment of it it's just it's just rather a different mindset in a way they have kind of nothing in common but I think even people who do it for money do it with their heart you know because you can't carry someone's baby just for money it's like it's all-encompassing so even if you are in it for the 30 grand that you could make like you're giving so much more than other ways that you can make that money you know so you obviously I think I think for for many people who do this as a job or as a money-making initiative there always is an element also of altruism or something that they need for themselves or like it's just it's it's never just transactional I don't think so I know your parents were there for you when you had the baby did some of the people who made fun of you come around and say wow we did something really oh to be clear they didn't make fun of me I think they just was so awkward and so didn't know what to say and like that was their way of coping and did they acknowledge that that was something very special? I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't, I don't, you don't need that. talk to them too much. Like, if, <laughs> if you were not, if you showed yourself to be complicated in that way, like, I probably am avoiding you, you know, because I just, I don't need it. Like, it's just weird energy. I'm not looking to circle back and be like, you tell me I did a good thing. If you don't think it's a good thing or you don't know what to do with it, that's fine. Like, so you avoid the people or you avoid talking about it? That, that's my question. I don't talk. It doesn't come up much, to be honest. I think most people who have met me since then don't know about it. It's not It's not a normal topic of like... It doesn't come up. <laughs> so unless I throw it out there, no one knows. And I think my... Where did my thing go? Let's check it out. Like, dear friends were were very much awesome during that time and kind of even if they said I have no idea what you're doing or how to support you through it and you're crazy but like I'm here for you I'll, I'll watch your kids people were so kind and we needed a bunch of play dates at the end over there and a bunch of I don't know someone people like wanted to cook me like like chicken I'm like please don't cook me chicken like <laughs> just we don't just like show up with food the whole time like it's it's fine <laughs> and that's great in my house I can get pizza like it, but we kind of try to categorize things in a way that we're used to. Like, it's not a shiver. It's not a bath. What do we do with this one? Like, we should cook something. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what your question is. Like, did people come around? I think for some people, it may have opened their mind a little bit. But I, that's not what I was in it for. And I, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Okay. This has been just so entertaining, honestly. Like, I learned so much. And you're a great storyteller. And you made something so massive look like this doesn't affect me one bit anymore. It's something I had to do and I couldn't get over it until I did it. And and you did it. It's incredible. That's the truth. That's how I feel. It's just like I had to do it.
and I'm just grateful I got to do it. And I did, that does not mean that anyone else should do it or that it's even a good idea. If the stars align and if, you know, you have a bee in your bonnet and, and you can do something in the world, then that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you keep tuning in. Keep reaching out to me with your feedback. My email is in the show notes. If you would like to become a member of the Francisca Show WhatsApp group, message me. I will send you a link to join. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care and see you next time. Mm-hmm.